Welcome to Portfolio Pulse, the money podcast for medical professionals and entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Stephen Husky, owner of Husky Financial Consulting and Wealth Management. Our goal is to help leaders accumulate wealth and empower them to build the life they deserve. Each week, we interview a purpose-driven leader or medical professional that is building a thriving business with community impact. We ask tough questions, learn the habits they practice to build successful careers, and discover a secret they can pass on to help others build their businesses. It's time to talk money, meaning, and maximum impact. Hello and welcome to the Portfolio Pulse podcast, the go-to podcast for medical professionals and entrepreneurs hoping to learn more about achieving financial wellness, accumulating wealth, and building the life they deserve. In every episode, we interview a purpose-driven leader or a medical professional, in this case, a a former medical professional that is not only building a business, but giving back to the community as well. We also present subjects in finance that are relevant today. I have Eric Francone with me today. He is America's number one freedom coach. He attended dental school in the inaugural class of Midwestern University. And after dental school, Eric owned and operated four dental practices, three that he started from scratch and sold them to a private equity group. After increasing his net worth four times since the sale of his practice and increasing his passive income from $7,000 to over six figures per month, Eric wanted to share his knowledge and teach others how to do the same. He now manages his wealth and investments in commercial real estate, private equity, and VC funds. Eric also coaches and guides his clients to achieve complete financial freedom through passive investments with infinite freedom. His private coaching and mastermind platform at www.ericfrankholm.com. He connects members to high-performing investments and coaches them on passive income to facilitate a dream lifestyle. Eric also served in the U.S. Army National Guard for 10 years and proudly serves as a mentor to the Harvard Business School. Quite a resume there, Eric. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's great to be here, Stephen. Thanks. Absolutely, man. Well, I'd love to talk to you more about how you got you know, the, the itch to go to dental school and, and why you chose that career and how that translated into helping others in that same position. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I always wanted to be a physician and I was raised by, you know, a dad who was a small business owner and entrepreneur. And I, I saw that the dentistry was kind of the best of both worlds there where I could maybe have more of my control of my destiny rather than being an employee, but I still could, you know, help and serve people on the medical side. Uh, plus I watched my first autopsy video in, uh, you know, high school. And I thought that's the end of it for me. That being said, <laughs> I ended up doing a lot of surgery as a dentist anyways, but uh, yeah, so uh, I, I really spoke to a lot of dentists. I think that anytime you're thinking that you want to do something, spend as much time doing that as you can, because we had a guy in our dental school that, you know, he was in his second year and he said, Hey, I couldn't have known that I hated this until I got here. Right. And he ended up leaving. He came back because he's like, I couldn't find anything else better, but <laughs> I just think it's good to uh, volunteer or uh, serve in what you think you want to do. I totally agree. You have a passion for it. Obviously, you're good at it if you could raise those, you know, get those practices going. And um, private equity, I feel, is coming in pretty strong recently into the dental space. I, you know, my last figures that I researched, 90% of dentists were still in or operating private practices, and the DSO market has just exploded. Why do you think that is? You know, it's uh, something that's very recession resistant for one thing, but it also can be a profitable business model. I mean, uh, dentists can make some bad decisions and still have an okay business. Whereas 
if they can get people that actually know what they're doing to come help some of the dentists that are just focused on the care and helping people, then they can be a lot more efficient. They can get rid of the, you know, the overhead costs can go way down of overspending on supplies or whatever it is. Um, turnover is so expensive, just hiring and training new employees. So uh, when you can have systems in place, then you can be a lot more efficient and uh, it's been proven. So there's a lot of private equity funds and, and groups that have bought up these dental practices and they've been very successful at it. So there's been a mad rush for other people to have that same success. Yeah. And I see that it's definitely a, a positive out for a lot of the dentists who maybe don't want to practice any longer. You know, they, they went from working two to three days a week in their offices. And now that they've got hygienists leaving left, left and right, they are back in the saddle for five days a week. It can be tough, you know, and so their dream has it started and then it's been curtailed back in because they have to go back to, to work. And so I think the DSO kind of gives a good option for them to to sell and, and get their money up front, which is which is pretty nice or in, in you know quick installments. Yeah, they um, didn't go to school for HR, right? So no, they didn't. And honestly, tell me if I'm wrong here, but uh, a lot of dental schools don't really teach much about business and certainly not personal finance. You know, they really don't. And even I had a, I was a business uh, undergraduate before. And even that, you know, it, it points you in the right direction and the right mindset. But uh, knowing the generalities of business administration still doesn't help you as much for an entrepreneurial venture of owning and running a dental practice and all that goes into the into it, where a dentist has to do every procedure they do at the standard of a specialist. Plus, they have to run office managers and, uh, you know, both front office and back office and everything that goes into. So there's a lot of moving parts. You're right. They they wear so many hats. You know, they came into dentistry to try to help people and help them with their oral health and give them the smile that they deserve. But not only are they uh, a business owner, they're a dentist. They're creating a culture. They're, you know, they're their own personal CFO. You know, there's and they're 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 family folks too, and they raise kids. So that's it's a lot of stuff. How do they how do they manage all of that? You know that the best way to manage it is by having the right operator to manage it for you. If you're the one that's trying to run an office while you're doing a root canal, you're in real trouble. But if you have that <laughs> operator that can implement the systems that you have, then you'd be in really good shape. I mean, again, I I really love James Clear's quote uh, on Atomic Habits, where he says, "We don't rise to the level of our goals; we fall to the level of our systems." Mm, I like so that. That's a lot of the reason people go to the DSOs is they have systems. The same reason that a lot of people that own a restaurant go to McDonald's is because they have systems. It's not necessarily, you know, the best food in the world, but it's proven and it has good systems. So yep. either we need to outsource that out, um, you know, and be a, a knight on someone else's chessboard, or we're the ones moving the pieces. Either way, we'll fall to the level of our systems. Good analogy there, man. I like the chess reference. Good. Um, well, I'm no I, good I'm, at it though. <laughs> I've never, I've never even played it. Like it just seems too intellectual for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, did watch the queen's gambit though. Great show. Um, I, I will say that in the dental space, and I'm sure that you know this, there's a ton of noise, you know, dentist offices are profitable, especially like here in Charleston, there's two on every corner and they're all making money, you know? So yeah. how do these dentists block out all of the noise when noise specifically being, vendors who want your time they want your money they want to show you new stuff like how do you how do you find the right partners without being overwhelmed with all the stuff that they're trying to to provide or new people trying to come into your office yeah again it's the systems you want to have the system of what you're looking for so that you're being proactive and the stimuli that are coming in you're filtering that out um, if you're just trying to take every phone call that comes in and meet with every rep that comes in, you're never going to get anything done. You're going to be changing mm -hmm. products all the time. Right. Sometimes done is better than 
than perfect. So uh, again, it's it's about the systems. Who talks to those people? Who filters them out? Um, you know, that's uh, systems, systems, systems. I mean, I can't say it enough. That's really what uh, people uh, go to. And as well as for dentists, when they are practicing, sometimes they confuse a good job with a good business. And right. a lot of dentists don't make profit after they've paid themselves. So they have a job and nobody wants to buy a job. And so they need to get to the point where they have profit coming in after the dentist has been paid. So that's why dentists have the, you could call it a, a blessing, but it really is a curse of not knowing where the holes are in their system because they can sometimes produce their way out of, out of problems rather than fixing the problems. I use the analogy of a trough. If you have a trough full of water that has holes all through it, you can either keep pumping it really fast to keep new water coming in, or you can plug the holes. Mm -hmm. Plugging the holes is getting your systems. Pumping is just doing more and more dentistry. So the more you can plug the holes, the more successful and more freedom that you'll have. Great answer. I like that. I'll have to use that trough myself. But, um, you know, I I know that that through my research that dentists actually retire three to four years later than the American average, which is at age 65. And then dentists retire around an average age of 69. I think yeah. it's probably because they have so much going on that maybe they don't implement the right systems. And so yeah. I want to talk to you a little bit more about this infinite freedom program that sure. you have. And I want you to tell me, you know, how does it work? Who does it benefit? And and what are you doing for your clients? Well, you kind of, you know, hit it right on the head right there as far as Dentists don't tend to retire. There's an American Dental Association study that said only 4% of of dentists can retire at the age of 65 with the same lifestyle and retirement that they had as a dentist. Correct. And that honestly terrified me. I thought, I'm not just going to grind it out for a whole career just to, you know, have a lower lifestyle, you know, after I'm I'm done. And so uh, when you're, again, very intentional about, you know, preparing for retirement and what you want. Um, you can get there a lot faster. Whereas if you just say, Hey, I'm just going to take whatever's left over and pour it back into the business, then it can be a really slow process where uh, a lot of dentists put way too much money back into the business, buying equipment that they don't necessarily need. They could do things a much more efficient way. And, uh, you know, as one person said, you know, we end up, uh, driving uh, to the office in a Kia and have Ferrari equipment, and then we drive home in the Kia. So right. paying yourself first is so important. And there are so few dentists that do save um, the way that they should and get that money to go work for them. Um, so by paying yourself first, you're going to get that those soldiers, as we call them, of course, to just multiply and grow and grow um, rather than just focusing only on paying down debts and then, you know, saying, I deserve this. Um, you know, I think that we, if you can just plan what your number is, whether it's 4%, 10%, if you can put that into a fund and let that start growing on the fast, fast track, whether it's in the stock market or eventually into the private equity and venture capital that produces the highest returns, that's where the real differences are made. I love that. Due to compliance reasons on this podcast, me being with a a broker dealer, I can't speak specifically to certain investments, but I know that you have got a lot of different things that you mentioned to your clients and you put them into how does it help them uh, retain the, t- the same type of lifestyle that they had while they were working now that they're out of the business? Yeah, great. Well, you know, passive income is the golden, you know, the, 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 the biggest ticket that we can have. It's the holy grail, essentially, right. of investments. So, you know, once we can get your passive income to exceed your 
current income, or at least to pay for your current lifestyle, and then eventually your dream lifestyle, then that's when we're really on the fast track. And then we're working because we get to and not working because we have to. So as far as infinite freedom, that is my goal is to connect people with their post lottery lifestyle. Now, the real lottery is a curse to people. It makes them unhappy. I mean, depression and broken families and early death. I mean, the statistics. But when we can create a real lottery, something similar to like the publisher's clearinghouse who says, you know, we'll pay you $10,000 a week for the rest of your life. You know, I, I ask people, what would your life be like once you have $10,000 a week for the rest of your life coming in? You don't have to worry about finances anymore. And uh, we get them connected with that lifestyle usually pretty quickly and much more quickly than most people think it would take. Mm -hmm. And is this, is this post sale of the practice? Not necessarily. No. So that's a small percentage of my uh, clients. A lot of people, for most people, it's optimizing how much you want to work within your practice for a lot of dentists. Okay. There's no change at all. For some, I would say the vast majority would drop at least one day and say, okay, okay I'm going to drop a day or two. I'm going to do the dentistry that I love. I'm going to spend the time to work on my business and not just in my business. And, you know, that can be done. There, there's the studies that say you can always live on 4% of your, basically your nest egg. And right. uh, if it's invested in, you know, kind of a 60, 40 stock bond uh, split, then it will never really go away. Um, so, but I found that the piece that's missing is even the wall street guys recommend 30% going into private equity and VC. And that's missing in most dentist portfolios. They have a 60, 40 stock bond split and they're missing out on some of the, you know, the best returns that are there. So that return can be a lot higher than that 4% number that a lot of dentists are going off of. Understood. You know, and, and in my practice, we also challenge the 4% typical withdrawal rate and having everything in one bucket of money. It causes some inherent challenges. And if those challenges are, you're paying way more taxes than you need to because you're taxed on the capital inside of those, you know, in that bucket. Uh, you have less liquidity. If you have an issue come up, if you pull from that bucket, guess what happens to your income in the future? It definitely drops in the future. It carries more risk because if you take, you know, take money from that that you need to live off of in a down portfolio, you're also locking in those losses. And it also just prevents you from having the lifestyle that you re really deserve to have. So I think having separate buckets of money, you and I are speaking the exact same language when it comes to clients. So right. we definitely need to chat after this, but um, you know, what was your strategy specifically for doubling your net worth within two consecutive years? How did you do that? Well, like a lot of dentists and a lot of people that are conservative um, in their finances, I was guilty of being a cash hoarder. I had invested in <laughs> stocks and bonds, but I had, you know, owned my buildings outright. That was my goal. The, the debt just drove me crazy. And it's because I didn't know how to leverage. Mm -hmm. To me, it didn't make sense for me to leverage my building to put money into stock and bond splits. But to me, it did make sense once I, uh, you know, hired some of the best mentors uh, to help me to get that private equity and venture capital and real estate, the alternative investments to really skyrocket my money. And that's where I was able to invest in some things with unfair advantages. I had some liquidity available. Um, I was able to uh, you know, jump at some opportunities uh, just because of my network. I was able to see some, you know, really unfair advantages, companies that are essentially being sold, um, you know, that we knew about before they were being sold. And, you know, you can have some of those unfair advantages in a private market where the public market's too efficient. You're not going to find things that are going to be consistently, you know, 30 and 40% internal rate of returns. Mm -hmm. um, 
profit year over year and even higher. We have some that are a hundred percent and more. So not only did I double my income and then double it again, not income, my net worth and double it again in a very short period of time, but I also 10 X my passive income. And really that's the part that makes a bigger difference that connects you with the money more than a big nest egg sitting out there. I think you and I have the same belief that you need to have multiple asset classes in your portfolio. Absolutely. You can't just have everything in real estate. You can't just have everything in stocks and bonds. You can't have everything in cash, right? So mm. I use this example all the time, you know, in the skyline right here behind me, this Ravenel bridge, if the engineers and the architects who put this thing together didn't put any suspension in it, didn't give it the give that it needs whenever the hurricanes barrel through the Carolinas, you know, that first big storm that comes along, it's going to blow over into the harbor. But because they gave it, they give it some give and take. If they have one stress in area of the bridge, they've got other areas of the bridge that are unstressed that can take that weight away. And so we need to have multiple asset classes in your portfolio. So I'm glad that, you know, you're, you're preaching that to your clients. I love that. And that's, you know, the one that's missing the most, even for people that have gotten into real estate is passive income through private equity and venture capital, things right. that can grow rapidly. We're talking to some of the funds and the colleges and the endowment uh, uh, fund managers. They've said, you know, that's where they've really made the most of their money, even with the stock market increasing as much as it has. And one thing that I did to help people with alternative investments, you're actually the first one to know, this is my first announcement of it, but uh, I did create what's called the Infinite Freedom Fund. And okay. it's not released, it's not out there yet, but it, the thesis is that it does have uh, downside protection in real estate and real assets that are very secure that do pay dividends as well. And so uh, about 60% is going to be in that late stage private uh, venture capital, excuse me, and early stage private equity. But then we reserve 20% for some of those home run balls that we okay. still have insight as to un basically an unfair advantage. We're not just uh, putting all of our money on black and letting it ride, but we have some of these deals that we know are going to be sold in a, a certain period of time, things that have five or even 10 times return of investment in five years or less. So by having a piece of all of that, people can actually be diversified, you know, like in, in some funds rather than saying, Hey, I have to put my money all on one investment because any one investment is too risky. So that's the reason that I created that for some people that don't have time or, uh, you know, the knowledge to, to invest in 20 or 30 different companies to diversify themselves. It's great that you kind of brought them right to market, right? Like you're not necessarily a third party anymore trying to facilitate or broker the deal. Like now you have something that you can bring directly to them. Exactly. That's, that's interesting that you did that. Um, what are some of the strategies that you'd like to share that these dentists or, you know, medical professionals could come to you and say, how, how do I reduce risk and reduce my taxes along the way? So, you know, taxes is such a big one. You know, if you, if you're saving $30,000 in taxes every year for 30 years, that's $900,000 linearly, but with compounding interest at even a conservative approach of a stock bond split, would end up being about $15 million in retirement difference. So just a 30,000, which, you know, the, the good thing is dentists tend to be accredited investors so they can invest in the better things. They, they either have a million dollars in investable in assets or make two to $300,000 a year, depending on how they file their taxes. So they can qualify mm -hmm. to invest in, in those uh, investments. And um, yeah, so by being able to do that, they can get there a lot quicker. So I would say, you know, you educate yourself in, in dentistry so much, educate yourself so that you know how to be a smart consumer. So whoever you're using to connect you with those investments, you're understanding the why 
and uh, that you have a full coverage of investing like the wealthy do, making sure that VC and private equity are part of your portfolio, or you're missing out on arguably the best part. I mean, I'm, I'm told, uh, you know, I, I work fortunately with the uh, business school. I'm able to mentor with the students and teach them about some of the investments and consult with them on their actual companies they're building um, in there. And, you know, I've, I've come to find out that I hear that the Harvard Endowment Fund only has about 5% of its uh, assets in public uh, assets at this time. So some people are not investing like the ultra wealthy and they're missing out. Wow. That's interesting. I didn't know only 5% of Harvard's endowment was invested in in that type of stuff. Well, at least in this season, you know, a lot of people, right. I don't know anybody that's saying, I love the stock market right now. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been hearing that a whole lot myself recently either. Um, well, you know, you've been on the Dentalpreneur podcast, you know, you're friends with Dr. Mark Costas. You've also been on the Capability Amplifier with Dan Sullivan. Dan Sullivan writes some great stuff. So how did you get hooked up with those guys? You know, Dan is a great guy. I've, I've had the chance to meet him and, uh, you know, speak with him as well as Mike Keenings, who does the Capability Amplifier with him. And, mm -hmm. you know, just as I had the white space on my calendar has been one of the most financially profitable things that I have ever had. I've had the opportunity to jump at at uh, last minute opportunities. One of them landed me on Necker Island with Richard Branson and Grammy mm -hmm. Award winning artists and other uh, you know, people running charities and, and investments, which has led to other deals, which has led to other deals. So I've just broadened my network and, uh, you know, I've been able to, uh, you know, work with several mentors that I've hired or mastermind groups. And uh, the world just becomes a lot smaller when you're in this space. And when you take the time to hop on a plane and rub shoulders with top entrepreneurs and top podcasters. So I would say that definitely white space and my calendar has been one of the most successful things that I've had. And as a dentist, it was polar opposite. I was six or even seven days a week in the dental chair when I was with the National Guard. I ended up working every Saturday and I worked the one Sunday with the National Guard that left me three days a month off three Sundays a month with a young family, young kids. And I was just burning myself out. And, yeah. you know, I, I had to just change to where I was working much smarter. They say, don't work harder, you know, works smarter, but you, you're, if you're working smart, you're working hard, right. but you just need to make sure it's in the right place. And I work harder now than I ever did, but I don't have to, and I enjoy it more. And it's my mission and my calling rather than my necessity to put well, you, food on the table. Well, now you've got more white space on the calendar. I wish I had some of that white space. Mine is completely full for the whole month of February. So I got to figure that out. <laughs> well, sometimes just blocking it out ahead of time and having non-negotiable, Hey, this yep. is going to be a day that I, you know, this Friday I'm doing something for me or for my family. I found that to be one of the ways that people can drop a day and eventually to drop one day a week to where they have that white space day for themselves. Um, Interesting. Because there's okay. no future that's so valuable that it's worth trading today for. And I okay. found that out the hard way, but I'm glad that I found it now. And I share that with, you know, our clients. I love that, man. That's great. Um, you know, since, since you've been in the medical field and you're also an entrepreneur, what are some lessons that you'd like to share to those that are either thinking about getting into dentistry or getting out of dentistry? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I read a statistic from um, Mark Costas was the one that had said this on his podcast. He said 50% of dentists wish that they had picked another career path. Um, so I don't wow. know how that compares to other professions. Sometimes the grass is just always greener on the other side. I think dentistry is a wonderful profession, but just like anything else, 
we have to be balanced and we have to be doing it for the right reasons. Right. Sometimes people, if they don't know what they want to do and they're like, okay, I mean, my dentist seems happy. He has a nice car, a big house. Maybe I'll do what he's doing, you know, but you might not like, you know, working with your hands. You might not like, you know, being in some of the stresses uh, that are in dentistry. So I think that the best thing is to just find out what you like by doing many things. And really in our day and age, there are people are so specialized, but the edge is to the generalists. So by being good at music, by being good at, you know, mountain biking, whatever it is, by being well-rounded, we've been shown to have more happiness and balance in life, which is what attracts success. We are happy and then we become successful. We don't become successful and then think we're going to turn into happiness all of a sudden. That's, those are wise words. I like that. Uh, doing a lot of things, figuring out what you're passionate about and then turning that into career. You know, I think other people might just jump right into something, the first thing available and figure out they hate it and they can't find anything else. Like just like the guy, he left dental school and came back, right? Like he doesn't know what else is out there because I don't know whatever, whatever effort he put into it. Oh, yeah. um, but great point. And I, I, you know, I want to make sure that the audience knows how they can find you. What's the best place for them to, to research you, Eric? You know, ericfrankham.com would be the best place. Just that's E-R-I-C. F-R-A-N-C-O-M.com, where we talk about what we do, some of the investments that we have invested in, how we bring down people's taxes through uh, tax-efficient investments. We get passive income. There's some investments that pay 20 or even in the mid-30s percent in distributions. So, you know, somebody puts $100,000 in, they're getting $3,000 a month in a residual check. And that's where we want people to start is with something where it's paying a car payment, then a house payment, then your lifestyle, and just kind of scaling up on that. So by finding me on ericfrankham.com, you can find out more. There's some free tools there of, of some trainings. And if you do want to connect or apply to, you know, be part of the mastermind, then there's a group of us that meet together that are a lot stronger together than we are, you know, any of us individually. We bring on CEOs and fund managers where we interview them and put them on the hot seat. And, and then we discuss what we love about the deal. And there's just so much good deal flow that we're not just saying yes to a deal because we're afraid of missing out on it. We see what it is compared to 30 other deals and we're taking the best of the best. And I think that's how you find the greatest deals rather than getting burnt because of the fear of missing out on a nickel common one. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. It's kind of like you're doing your due diligence altogether and speaking about it one, you know, in a, in a forum where your opinion can be heard. And then you guys choosing the best one that makes sense for kind of an, an, an everybody's kind of deal. You know what I mean? So that's, that's great that you're doing that. My last question to you, and it's one I always in this podcast with, because I find that it's most important is what is your purpose and lasting legacy that you'd like to leave in your community, Eric? Well, I want it to be infinite. That's the biggest thing is I don't want it to end. So I do want to set up my kids, even distant family or people that I don't even know so that they can have the education that allows them for generations to be able to, to work on making the world a better place by spending their time doing what moves their soul and not just trading their time for money. Trading your time for money can lead to depression when you're doing things that you don't like and you're just living for the weekends and you're somewhat of a prisoner through the week and then just you know, trying to look forward to retirement where you can have that joy now. There is no finish line. The most successful people don't just become couch potatoes, but they don't have to work. They're able to spend their time on the higher parts of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They're not worried about where their next meal is going to come from so they can plan for legacy. So for me, I want my kids to be set up so that they can be 
artists or whatever other job that moves their soul, whether it pays well or not. Mm-hmm. And they can teach others to do that. And we have it set up in a way that I don't hurt them with the money because that's a danger as well. So those are great points, man. Well, thank you for your wise words of wisdom today. Again, you can visit him at ericfrankham.com. I'll have all of your information in the liner notes of this episode. And it was a pleasure having you on today, Eric. Great to be here, Stephen. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thanks for joining us today on Portfolio Pulse. If you found this helpful and think others deserve to hear about us as well, please like, subscribe, and share us across any platform on social media or your podcast platform of choice. That's it for today. Remember to be happy, stay healthy, and tune in next time to remain financially fit. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PASS, Guardian, or Husky Financial Group, LLC, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Michael Husky is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PASS. OSJ 6115 Park South Drive, Suite 200, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28210-704-552-8507. Securities products and advisory services offered through PASS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PASS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Husky Financial Group, LLC, is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PASS or Guardian. 2023-150-728. Expires 225.